Okay, and welcome to episode 6 of Dynasty Kings. I'm Luke, and the frat boy from Every Girl's Nightmares is Kyle. And today, we're, we're going to take a new uh, twist on everything. You know, before we've been hitting you with stats, we've been hitting you with, you know, uh, guys you need to target, guys you don't want to target. But I think what's most important is, what if you're new to Dynasty, you know? What if... What if you've never been involved in Dynasty football before and you get that first invitation from your buddy and you're like, okay, I guess I got to figure something out. So that's what we're going to tackle today. And I think we should start by how talking about how we got into Dynasty football. So Kyle, you've been doing this a lot longer than me. So why don't, why don't you get started? Um, yeah, um, this is going to be a much lighthearted uh, episode compared to the other ones. I mean, we like to crack jokes already, so you know you know the gist, guys. But yeah, no, for me, I started like, I guess, five years ago now, six years ago. I've kind of lost track, honestly. And the first league I did, I just kind of found online. Um, I literally searched. I was like, oh, I like, like fantasy football, and I want to do something more long-term. And I just found this group, and I joined a group me, and actually I met Shaheen in that group. That's how our friendship started, who we just had on the show uh, a couple episodes ago. And that league was so um, <laughs> bad, to say the least. <laughs> the people running it were just like, they were really mean to us, to me and Shaheen. And they just, they treated me like crap. Like I ended up getting kicked out of that league, actually, funny enough. And Shaheen actually took over that league and kicked all those guys out. And I became a member and came back. But that's literally how I got into Dynasty. It wasn't even a good experience. I came in and uh, basically got ripped on because I made some crappy trades. And um, my good friend, who I've already mentioned multiple times, uh, got me pretty bad on a bunch of trades. And I'll say that now. That's fair. I've gotten him back over the years because I've you know, smartened up a bit. But I think that's kind of how I had to learn by trial by fire. Um, it was really much just like – it was very much just – getting thrown into the deep end and just being like, Oh, okay. I'm just going to kind of figure it out as I go. I remember like one of my first drafts, I took like, I took like a corner in the first round or something like that. Like of the rookie drafts. <laughs> like, so like, trust me what I say, like I was like, I was an ideal uh, scrub and definitely somebody uh, people wanted to trade with when I first started. But then after a few years, uh, things started clicking more and more and I started playing more often. And I already knew football wells because I've, watch it all the time and i'm a degenerate gambler um so once i really put my mind to it it was just more so finding out the kinks in the system more than anything else yeah you know that's definitely an interesting path to getting to dynasty uh, <laughs> football i'd say mine is the complete opposite of it so you know i played high school football uh throughout my whole four years you know uh pl never always starting and what made me so and what I think made me a great player was being able to watch tape and reflect it into my play style. And, you know, as you watch tape and as you play football, you know, you meet guys, similar interests, similar, the, similar uh, styles of practicing and analyzing. And that ended up getting me into redraft fantasy. And I always liked fantasy. I did well in fantasy because I always was looking at film to always know what was going to be, you know, the next big thing. I, I did really well in redraft fantasy. And then last year, actually, I only got into dynasty last year. Kyle hits me up and goes, I've got a spot open in this league. And I, I think you would do well. 
And I was super, super nervous going into it because I'd never done anything like this before. This was going from like a, you know, redraft. Oh, you got 20 bucks, whatever. Like, it's not a big deal to you're drafting a team. You're probably going to hold for like three to five years. You better hope you're doing it well. Well, not in your case, because you trade everybody every five minutes, but continue. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, you know, so I got into this league and I I decided to adopt the philosophy, as Kyle just said. I adopted the philosophy of volume trading because my whole philosophy was, oh, you know, like I, I find in redrafts, you don't see trading as much. Because guys get really set on their on their lineups, they get set up on the guys they're using, so you, you never really see a lot of huge trades. So I decided going to dynasty that I would start volume trading, and if I messed up on one trade, hopefully the next trade would play out uh, better for me. And I think that's a really good thing for people who are just getting started. And so I started with my with, with this league with Kyle, and immediately I found success. You know, I was trading for some of the better players in the league. I I started putting up huge points in weekly matchups, and I fell in love with it. I really like the aspect of being your own GM and, you know, planning long-term rather than short-term. And I had a lot of fun with it. And so after last season, I went from one dynasty team, and now I'm on about 25. Yeah, and... it's funny because Luke got lucky because, you know, I gave him a lot of helpful advice to say the least. So a lot of the pitfalls that I had to go through, he didn't have to go through. Thank God. Like, so that's why we actually made this podcast is to try to help maybe the next Kyle who joins the league. So he doesn't end up drafting uh, Jalen Ramsey in the first round or something like that and look like an absolute fool because, you know, that's what you'll look like. Um, But yeah, no, Luke's had a lot of success with it basically instantly. And that's why we actually started this. We're both becoming um, way more um, into this world than Jesus ever before, almost every day, every minute of the day, basically. I feel like most of my day is talking about football or talking about dynasty or talking about trades, or I'm thinking about a move in one league. I mean, uh, at this point I'm, clo- I'm closely approaching 50 something leagues, I think. So it's just, oh, it's just insanity. It's, it's, and I run probably about 10 of them at this point too. So, I mean, I know a bunch of you guys who listen already are in leagues that I run myself already. So you can imagine that sometimes it's a headache. Like yesterday was a headache day for me. It seemed like every league I was running had a problem basically, and I had to handle it. And you have to understand when you're a commissioner, it's just, you just do it because you love the sport. You know, you're not getting anything out of it. So it's like, sometimes it can be a little nerve wracking, but overall I just think it's such a experience um, it's so addicting, man. I just, I think that not enough people do it. Yeah. A hundred percent. It is one of those things where, uh, it is so hard to convince somebody to do it, but once you've got them hooked, you have them hooked for life. Yep. I'd say it's, it's super interesting, you know, and it sucks because you'll see guys who come into dynasty who will play for a year. They don't like their team and then they get out of the league. And that's just not good planning. I think this really goes into looking at how well you are at planning ahead. Because there's two ways of looking at a dynasty, in my opinion. You either go for the win-now mode, or you go for, I'm going to sit back for a year or two and then come out of nowhere and blindside everybody. And I think it's really important going in to really pick 
that like that approach, what you're going to do. And you know what? For your first time, I don't think it's bad to want to go for the win. I think the biggest pitfall in Dynasty, especially for me, was picking name players. You know, because when you get into these leagues, most of the time, I'd say more than 60% of the guys have been doing this for a while. So they have deep dives on every single player in the league. So, I mean, like, it, it's hard to say. I think I think once you get into it, you're, you're never going to get out. Yeah, I would say that's probably true. All it takes is one league and you'll have probably triple that by next season at the very minimum. And, yeah, no, I mean, what Luke's saying is true. Like, honestly, you got to just... Don't overthink it when you first start to just just take the guys you know, the guys you already trust in redraft, and kind of go from there. And as you get into it more and more, and now like I'm, this is now, geez, this is now my sixth or seventh rookie draft auction, like off season I'm going through. So like I know so much more than I ever have before. Um, I read like this thing called an orange report. I'll give a shout out to my buddy. Uh, his Twitter handle is the ghost. He's awesome and he has this gigantic book it's about like 300 pages long and it deep dives all the rookies you don't have to be as crazy as i am obviously (laughs) but i'm just saying like like after a while like things start to click a little more i realize like the value of players and just how to draft more than anything else because at the end of the day i always say this because i do i do mainly big leagues like big big leagues like with like rosters of 55 players or something like that or if it's only offense like 30 player rosters or something like that and i always say that the second half of your draft in a dynasty league will make or break you for the next five to ten years and that's the truth of the matter your first half is a lot of guys who are interchangeable guys who like you know outside of maybe like christian mccaffrey and patrick mahomes but my point is like somebody like Dalvin Cook, I don't really see that much of a difference between him and like Nick Chubb. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, you yeah. can you could say, oh, I like Nick Chubb a lot more, but in actuality, over the next five years, they're probably gonna have very similar numbers. You know what I mean? So your top fifteen guys, there's a lot of um, what's the word I'm looking for, Luke? There's a lot of well, mix and matching. I'm like a lot of parity is what I'm looking for. That's the word. There's a lot of parity in the top rounds, and there's a lot of people who can be easily replaced to say the least and mix and matching as Luke said. And so what it really comes down to is those later round guys, the guys that you can get out of nowhere who turn into superstars. And those are the guys who mean everything. Cause I mean, I've have a lot of those guys last year's was Mark Andrews for me and um, God damn, he was so good. And now I'm selling him everywhere. Cause I'm getting the ransom for him. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, that's definitely a way to approach it. I think for me, I, I, it was for me, it was not just so much the back half of my draft. It was shoring up my depth was my biggest problem. So, you know, going into my second year, my big thing was to make sure that in all my leagues, in every single league, I, I made sure that my depth was just as good as my starting lineup. Because I think that's what happens is the problem is, is if you draft like, oh, I have this incredible starting lineup, but then my only my only backup wide receiver is Alan Lazard. You're going to get smoked. You're going to get smoked. Not a question about it. Like smoking so bad that like you got lung cancer, dog. That's how bad you're going to get smoked. <laughs> and so, you know, for me, I think that was a really good learning, uh, learning curve. Because going, my first league, that one league I was in, I went all the way to the finals. 
all the way to the finals. I had a great year. I was killing it. I had the best running back lineup. I had the best tight end. I had young and great quarterbacks. But then when I got to the finals, I lost Chris Carson. I lost Derrick Henry. And everything just fell apart. So my big thing is like saying, build your depth to be just as good as your starting offense or starting roster. Because if you don't have that depth, you will not make it anywhere in Dynasty. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I have a few teams right now that are a little too hop, top heavy for my liking, but I'm competing in those leagues. So it's like, it's tough when you're in a position, man, and you've been competing for a couple of years and you finally have that lineup together. It's tough to figure out who's the guy you're going to move to get the four or five pieces because there are some guys who you can get that much from them. Like you can get upwards of three to four to five pieces for a particular player. Like uh, Christian McCaffrey can run somebody of King's ransom, uh, honestly, at the end of the day, because of how bulletproof he is. And actually you're talking about injuries. That's the guy who doesn't fucking leave the field ever. Like it doesn't really matter the situation. He's never hurt. Like I'm sure I just jinxed the hell out of him just because he got paid too. Yeah. It, it's a knock on wood yeah, so quick. Yeah, what do you yeah, say? No, because no, you know, I, I'd feel so bad. Of course, the first year he gets paid, watch he gets hurt. That would be just the, that'd be the worst. Cause I feel bad for the Panthers too. Cause you know, outside of him and DJ Moore, they're basically, uh, I don't know what they are. <laughs> <laughs> not a lot of anything. Nothing. Yeah, uh, not, you know, you know what? continue, man. Now, we're just kind of free talking right now just to give some advice to some new people, you know? Yeah, and I think that's a really good, like, th- that's really good that you pointed that mm-hmm. out because, you know, you're going to be an expert. You're probably going to be listening to this and be like, crap, I already knew that. But, you know, you got to remember for every league you get in if it's a 12-man league there's going to be one guy who's still a little new to the system whether it's because he's never done dynasty or whether it's because he's getting into a completely new subcategory of dynasty like this this year i'm getting into my first auction draft and already i have started to get frustrated beyond both auctions are auctions are an animal that i seriously suggest people to not start with because they are they're a tough beast to handle, man. Like at the end of the day, that's all I'll say on that for now. Cause we're going to kind of talk more about each individual section. So I won't take up too much time right here. Yeah. And I'm glad you said that. So when we come back, we are going to talk about two guys who in our first year completely busted and you wouldn't have thought they would have. So stick around, stay tuned. And we're going to deep dive into that in just a second. Okay, now we're back. So, you know, you can have huge, huge successes in your leagues. But to say that there isn't failure at some point in that success would be lying to yourself and everybody else you talk to. I think it's very important to acknowledge, you know, you effed up. You took the wrong guy. And I think me and Kyle are just going to focus on that really quickly because everybody does it. And you might notice as we talk... Uh, the trends with guys as we talk about it. So the first guy I want to talk about is Marcus Mariota. And it sucks. I really liked Marcus Mariota coming out of college. I thought he was better than Jameis Winston. You know, I will say this, his mocha latte skin, his eyes, maybe I got lost in his eyes when I was drafting. (laughs) He falls well on my handsomeness to QB success scale throughout his first two seasons. 
But I took a I took a gamble on him last year, and I said, you know, he'll get over the injury hump. <coughs> Derrick Henry finally broke out into something successful last year. He'll do well. And by you know first glance, it's hard to say he didn't. If you didn't know what happened, and you would assume that he just got injured halfway through the season, and it wasn't his fault, you you wouldn't be shocked. The stats aren't terrible. He had twelve hundred yards. Seven TDs and two interceptions. It's not terrible. Like if that's like your start of the season and then you get injured, that wouldn't be terrible. But the problem was, is that wasn't the case. He just did not perform well, whether it was the offense or the amount of pressure on him to succeed, especially going into that, you know, last year. He just crapped the bed. Doo-doo everywhere. You know, those are the sheets that you will not throw back in the wash. <laughs> they go in the garbage. You never talk about it again. And you pray that your boys never bring it up, you know, to any girl that you're interested in. I think Mariota has the potential to still be successful. I think that given the right offense, you know, he got dealt a bad hand. His offenses kept switching up on him almost yearly. So you got to imagine that must not be comfortable to sit in. And so I took Mariota last year to be my QB2 behind Kyler Murray. That was my first draft in my first league. I took Marcus Mariota to be my QB2 behind Kyler Murray. If I did not have Ryan Tannehill handcuffed to Mariota, I would have been screwed. Because I believed in the hype, and I got messed up by the hype, to say the least. It sucks. But I think now that he's at Vegas... He might actually have some fantasy value going forward. He may not start the big, to start the season, but do not be shocked if at some point he's actually competing for snaps with Carr. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I'm not a big Carr guy, and I would like to see Mariota potentially get a chance somewhere because, you know, uh, I hate to bring up my bills again, but I think a perfect comparison is that, you know, Mariota was never given a proper system to be built around him, and my – my boy in uh, in Josh Allen in Buffalo, he was given a system that was built around him and he was given the chance to succeed. And I think that Josh Allen could be a very, could be what Mar- Mariota is right now if he wasn't given that right system. Um, like, you know, if Mariota was actually given a chance and had the same offense for three years in a row, maybe we wouldn't be talking about him in this light because it's very easy for these quarterbacks to come in and bust, and I've talked about this before, that if they're not molded properly, if they get thrown into the fire too quickly, it's it's almost like having like a little kid or something like that. You could almost break them like or, you know, and make them not have the confidence anymore. And once that's gone, you don't get it back. It's, there's no second chances with this. The Browns will tell you all too well about how they destroyed 20 years of quarterbacks in the first round, man. <laughs> and they look on their way to destroying Baker, but hopefully not. <laughs> hopefully not, man. I got too many, I got too many peanuts invested in that guy. I hope not, man. I like Baker a lot. And that's actually funny. You know, you talking about Marcus Mariota and the Titans offense in general. And my first guy <laughs> It wasn't really – I don't know if it was my first year because I got in, I think, at 2014 when I really started getting into Dynasty. Uh, so, But the first rookie that I got a man crush with, let's say that, okay? This is, the, this is the first guy I really wanted everywhere, and that's Corey Davis. And at the time, I was in 
about five leagues, I think. And I had earlier picks basically across the board uh, because at the time I wasn't as good as I am now. At least I think I'm all right now. Um, <laughs> uh, and so basically in all five leagues, I took Corey Davis. I'm not like, I'm not kidding you. At every league I took Corey Davis, like um, whether I had like, you know, the three or four, he somehow fell to me or I traded up. Like I basically took him five for five. And well, I don't really need to deep dive into what Corey Davis what happened to Corey Davis, but I uh, just, oh, it hurts. It's, it's, it hurts talking it, it, about this stuff, man. <laughs> man, it is interesting. You know what is hilarious, though, is in our notes, I see you grabbed his stats. And for some reason, if, if this is Wikipedia you grabbed this from, in 2019, he's listed as a tight end. Yeah. <laughs> I says that's pro football focus. I picked those up. I guess he got switched positions, man. But well, I mean, if we're calling him a tight end, six hundred and one yards, two DDs, we might as well talk about him as one of the better tight ends in the league, if that's the case. Yeah, I pulled up those just to remind me to go. Don't get too hyped on wide receivers, and I think that's why when we talked about our rookies uh, and stuff like that, I kept saying, "Oh yeah, wide receivers have the highest bust ratio," because maybe I've just been burned too many times in the past by wide receivers <laughs> that I've been high on because I mean, look at that first year 375 and zero touchdowns. Are you fucking kidding me? Like you were a first round talent. Like, AJ Brown got a thousand yards his rookie season, man. Like you don't, you're not even in the same class. Like, uh, it, it is so interesting that Corey Davis just crapped to the bed yeah. so hard. And I gotta be honest, even looking at his stats from 2018, where he almost had 900 yards. Almost. Almost had 900 <laughs> yards and had four touchdowns. Where do you develop hype? Yeah. Well, and the problem, too, is 112 targets and only 65 catches. I don't like that catch ratio. It's terrible. Yeah. How are you getting so hyped over that guy? It is really, really weird that somebody be getting hyped over that. That's above average. To be fair, I, I didn't buy wouldn't... him at all after his after his rookie season. I just was into him based off his college numbers and you know and his draft selection. And at the time, I still believed in Mariota too. So you know you can't really say anything because you fell for that bonehead too. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you know what? whatever you tell yourself, whatever you have to to sleep well at night. That's all I'm gonna say. As we're talking bus, I gotta talk about one. And you might be like, well, Lou, that's not necessarily a bus. He's still a workhorse running back. Buddy, it was a bus for me. First startup draft. I trade up 1.03, grab CMC. I look goddamn smart. Everybody's like, okay, this boy knows what he's doing. Three picks later, I still own the 1.06. I draft Melvin Gordon. I draft Melvin Gordon last year, Wait, and you, you know what? I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, buddy, I drafted Melvin Gordon with the 1.06. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, man. I took him over even Todd Gurley. Oh, my God. I don't know what I was thinking. I think I was the dreadlocks. I liked watching him run because the dreadlocks just always float in the air. Or I don't know, man. But God damn. If I like again, if I didn't own the Eckler handcuff as well, I would have been so screwed. The guy held out for the first four games oh, I do and comes back that now. and does nothing 
special. That's why Luke got lucky. He brags about his running backs lineup in that in that league. But Ecker just became a superstar on his own. He Luke Luke's lesson through this bus section is grab the handcuff because without both his handcuffs so far, he would have been fucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you have no idea. Like, and you know, I'll say this: Gordon has. If you're running a art running back PPC league. He still has tremendous value. But at the 1.06, let me just reiterate some of the guys who are still available at that point. Because I'm looking at it right now. Todd Gurley. Just the, the running back position, might I add. Todd Gurley. Joe Mixon. Nick Chubb. Oh, what else does this say? Oh, yeah. And I could have had Dalvin Cook. Yeah. So I completely crapped the bet. And I definitely learned from the experience. And thank God, before the season started, I was able to trade Gordon for Mike Evans. I think I had to sell super low on Gordon, which sucks. But I ended up selling him for Mike Evans, thank God. But God, talk about just like not doing your research before a draft. Yeah. I think that's a fair point. Do your research to just be an overall lesson in general. Like just, just study the league, the setup and everything. I've never been high on Gordon. So I'm happy that he has never burned me before, but I know a lot of people who have been burned by him. And I think we've already ripped him on enough on the show about his <laughs> landing spot in Denver. So I don't want to tread too long, but for our last guy, we're going to talk about, and this one might be the hardest for me to talk about because, uh, uh, God damn, I love this guy. I really believed that he was going to turn his career around. And that's Blake Bortles, man. I just <laughs> I just loved it, man. There was something about him. When he had that like interview where he's like, yeah, if I wasn't playing football, I'd be smoking cigs and working construction. I was like, oh, he sounds like a blue-collar guy. I can get behind this guy. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, all right, I like this guy. He drinks beer. He's laid back. He seems like a cool cat. Like, and everything I've saw from him is, you know, he is a really good guy. So this is nothing against the guy himself. It's just his career never became what I think a lot of people thought it was going to be. I mean, after his... 2015 season so this is right when i'm really getting into dynasty more uh you know he had the 35 touchdowns and 18 interceptions that year 4400 yards i was like oh yeah i'm taking this guy everywhere and it just burned me so bad i mean he didn't have a season half as good as that for the rest of his career in jacksonville and now you guys all know the story he's a backup to jared goff who might be the next blake portals just to bring things full circle <laughs> but you know um i don't know i just it's this this is a tough section for me to talk about because i get very emotionally attached to my players i pick up a lot on just because I really like the guy. Like, I have a lot of Nick Chubb shares because I think the guy's fucking awesome. I love owning him. I think it's, I think he's, a, I don't, I, there's probably backs just as good as him, like we already talked about, but I want to own Nick Chubb when I have the chance to. So it's just like, I don't know. You, I think people who play know, like, what I'm talking about when you get emotionally attached to a certain player or asset. Yeah, you know, it sucks you don't get emotionally attached to women like you do with your players, man, because <laughs> fuck, your, your relationships might have a lot more success. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, it's funny that you bring up emotional attachment because I was super emotionally attached to Melvin Gordon at the time, and that's why I ended up retrading for the guy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're all trading. It's just, like, hilarious. <laughs> 
<laughs> Melvin Gordon has been tossed around in our one league like a ham sandwich. Like nobody wants him. They're just like, hey, you want him? Oh, no, 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 no. I'll give you, I'll give you literally nothing. And every time he gets traded, somebody gives less for the guy. Like just like they're just like, yeah, I'll give you a fit. And they're like, yeah, all right, I'll take it. I don't want Melvin Gordon anymore. It's, it's a shame. Man. It's so interesting because with Melvin Gordon, I traded him for Mike Evans. <laughs> and then I ended up this season trading back to get him and only gave up a second round pick. Which was T. Higgins. So in hindsight, that actually might be a bad move because I got high hopes for T. Higgins. I think he could be a superstar. It could be a super bad move. But for, for a second round pick, you, you got it. You got yeah. it. You got it. it it's kind of like, you know, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, no, I get it, man. And I'm super happy about it. But so I think we've crapped on our decision-making enough. We gave you guys something fun to lives. laugh about for sure, man. So, uh, you know, stick around because when we come up, we're going to talk to you about the best way to approach your first startup draft and what it might mean to you. Hey, you know, as you can tell, Kyle's emotionally linked to everything he does. So emotionally, hey, a, what does it I'm mean I'm a passionate guy. Stick around. You'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And we're back. So, you know what? The biggest thing with any dynasty is not the transactions you make during the season, the lineups you set, the rookie drafts. What's most important is how you approach your startup. And there's a bunch of different ways to approach a startup. And I think it's super interesting because you'll see different people take on different tactics depending on the league format. So Kyle, why don't you get us started maybe on some tips, you know, on how to definitely approach that dynasty level. Yeah, I think it all depends on what type of format you're going to be, uh, you know, for your first league, especially. So, you know, I mentioned it earlier, I didn't want to deep dive into auctions because we're going to talk about it now. If you're going to go with the auction based format, um, the biggest advice I could give you is don't spend early on big assets because saving your money is the best strategy possible. Try to load up on middle tier guys who, you know, have a lot of potential. The guys like Debo Samuel, uh, Cortland Sutton's of the world. Uh, try to load up on those guys because, as Luke already said, depth is key. And once you have all the assets in place, you can kind of trade them around and figure out how you want your roster. So as far as an auction goes, I would just say don't spend early. And then, you know, obviously there's there's a lot of different leagues, but, you know, on the other side of it, for regular startups, you know, slow email draft, which is probably the most popular format, I would just say, you know, try not to trade up. I know it's hard to resist the urge, and I've done it many times in the past when I really want a guy. But I, I meant what I said when you know I said most of the top guys are pretty interchangeable. And for you to trade up and lose draft position somewhere else, um, it could be really, cr it could be really crushing to your team. If anything, I would say try to trade down, uh, look for value always, and just take best player available most of the time. Honestly, at the end of the day, because as I already said, you can always switch around players and change your assets uh, for other ones. Yeah, you know, that's a very good way of getting an introduction into this topic. So, you know, when I talk about fantasy, and when I say, okay, when somebody sends me an invite and says, do you want to get involved in this startup? My first question is always scoring format. Because you can't draft without understanding the scoring format. Of course. So, for, ex for example, a lot of the leagues I've gotten involved with in this offseason have been tight end premium leagues. So, and I don't think a lot of guys realize if you're in a tight end premium league, 
there's only a handful of guys who are really going to give you the points to separate yourself from the competition when it comes to that position. So a big thing for me has been loading up in tight end premium leagues on tight ends and then using those big names and the big draws to load up in other positions in my team. So, for example, I drafted George Kittle in the second round of one of my startups in a tight end premium league. And after the draft, I owned Kittle, I owned Hunter Henry, and I owned Caden Smith. But I wasn't too happy with the depth at tight end. And I ended up trading Kittle and Hunter Henry. And I ended up not only shoring up the rest of my team, but I also brought in young up-and-comers in TJ Hawkinson and Dawson Knox and... Oh my God, I'm drawing a blank on his name. Doesn't matter. Brought in another young tight end. (laughs) And so I think that's really important to always remember is in these leagues, there's usually a position that's premium, whether it's running back or tight end. And if you're going to draft those guys early, remember you can also use them as trade bait further along in the draft. If you see a guy just sitting there, you know you want him. Yeah, I think those are good points. Yeah, definitely. As far as the scoring goes, I think every league you really need to sit down and at least spend 20 to 30 minutes looking at every little individual settings in the league. A lot of people get very creative with it. We like to have fun with it, uh, us commissioners who set the things up. So a lot of the scoring is very different. I mean, on the IDP side of the ball game, you know, individual defensive players, which I prefer to play leagues with them in it, um, I like to make D tackles premium because I don't think they have a lot of purpose if you don't make them premium. So that's another element. It, it makes it tough because we're doing a draft right now that's tight end premium and D-tackle premium. And as Luke said, those are two positions that you only really have like a few guys who are going to really produce at like a high level at those positions. So if it's a premium you know, be prepared to sacrifice to get a good talent at the, because you don't want to be sitting, you know, five weeks later or six weeks later, realizing that, you know, you're weak at two, two positions that really mean a lot in that league's format. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I'm glad you brought up the idea of defense. Cause I want to ask you a question. You're new to the whole aspect. You don't know really what you're doing. When do you think is a good time to start dipping your toe into defensive players if you're playing in IDP format? Um, I guess it depends on your draft and how they're valued. If they're in the leagues that like I like to do, and they're even across the board, it really depends when you want to pull the trigger. Aaron Donald's going to be the first one off the board 99% of the time. Um, but I've seen it happen in the third rounds of startups. I, I don't personally do it. I like to wait to about 8 to 10 before I start taking my first defensive players. I like to make sure my starting lineup is set. You know, I have three solid wide receivers, both my quarterbacks, two running backs, like, and my tight end. And that's really when I feel comfortable doing it because I have a lot of knowledge as far as defensive players go. So I'm not saying everybody should follow that strategy because maybe you feel a little weaker on IDP. So if that's the case, maybe go take, you know, the players that you know a little earlier uh, because obviously you don't want to have any holes at any position. If you're just plugging away picks when it's a 55-round draft, um, you're going to be fucked. Yeah, I mean, like, we can talk about one kid who we're in a league with right now who Kyle gave advice. (laughs) I know he's going to know who I'm talking about. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you right now. 
you came to Kyle for advice. You said, should I draft a defensive player? What am I looking for to draft a defensive player? And this kid spent the next, I swear to God, 15 picks on drafting linebackers and safeties when it made zero sense. Zero sense. Yeah. I think it's also super to notice uh, just because cornerback is an important position in the regular NFL does not mean that position is going to get you any points when it comes to fantasy. And do not bite on big names, as Kyle said, like Jalen Ramsey or even guys like Stephon Gilmore. Don't bite. They will ruin your lineups if you take them too soon. Yeah, I think that's a good point as far as the defensive side of the ball goes. Because a lot of those guys, yeah, they might be great real players, but you have to think about how the scoring works. If you're a top corner in the league, you know, the Tredavious Whites, the Stephon Gilmores of the world, um, you don't really get the ball thrown your way at all because people don't want to. As you bat it down, you put it into the dirt, and nobody completes passes on you. So you almost kind of want a middle-tier cornerback at the end of the day or somebody who's bad in coverage because they're going to get a lot of tackles you know so it's a weird position it's a position i actually my last whatever rounds in my draft are always corners because i avoided up until that point um and i try to load up everywhere else specifically starting with um if it's a d tackle premium league i like to start with defensive tackles and then i like to take a big lineman and then i like to stack a bunch of middle linebackers uh, and eventually go after safeties and everything else. I think at the end of the day, if you're going to do a defensive league, if I could tell you one thing and one thing only stack mics, like they're like they're wide receivers because you will, you'll need a lot of them get like eight or 10. If you have a big roster. Yeah. And it's super important for people getting into this, especially with the IDP format to know <laughs> that the linebacker position is super the linebacker position, the safety position is super vague when it comes to that draft. Because, you know, there's a difference between an inside linebacker and an outside linebacker. You're going to have outside linebackers like TJ Watt who put up middle linebacker numbers, but that's because it's all, it's all based on how many sacks they put up. It's a lot easier to take a middle linebacker like a Blake Martinez who's just going to rack up like 12 tackles a game and will pat stat and will like will stat pad your team rather than take an outside linebacker like a Khalil Mack who might get two sacks in a game and give you some points but because he's not getting the tackles it won't really matter and that's especially specific thing when it comes to the safety position as well because when you're taking a safety there's a huge difference in football on what a strong safety does and what a free safety does. Mm -hmm. A free safety is closer to a corner where they're going to take a lot of coverage. They're going to be on some of the best receivers and tight ends on the field, and they're going to be locking down as best as possible. Whereas your strong safety is going to be blitzing a lot more. They're going to be closer to the line of scrimmage a lot more, and they will be racking up tackles a lot more. So if I had to pick between a guy like, Jamal Adams or Earl Thomas, I'm taking Jamal Adams every single time. Yeah, I think that's a good point. So just, you know, at the end of the day, if you're in a new IDP, just understand that middle linebackers are going to be the king and just understand that, you know, somebody like Von Miller might be a great player and even Cleo Mack too. 
which most people don't realize they might be great players in real life, but as far as fantasy goes, they, um, they aren't going to provide you the relevance that you want at the end of the day. And, you know, at the end of the day, honestly, with all this advice, you know, you got to kind of learn as you go more than anything else. Like I said, um, you kind of need to make some mistakes and mess up a few trades and mess up a few drafts before you start realizing your preferred method. But we just like to give you some insight of what we like to do more than anything else. Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know what? That's a really good segue. So make sure you stick around because we are going to bring on a dynasty newbie. He's going to talk to us about how he got into it, what his strategy was going to his first startup draft, and how he's enjoyed the experience so far. So make sure you stick around to kind of get that knowledge. Thank you for staying tuned. We now bring on our guest. His name is Max Russo. Not any relation to Wizards of Waverly Place, <laughs> but definitely just as Spanish. Uh, you know, I, I've known Max since high school. We go way back. I convinced him to go out with his current long-term girlfriend. You're welcome. Expect an invite to that <laughs> wedding right, at some point. Of course, uh, of course. So, Max, we're, uh, we're just getting into it. And we're talking about, you know, getting into Dynasty football for the first time. So, you want to give us a background on your experience with fantasy sports and how you got into this? Yeah, for sure. So, um, first off, obviously, hi, and uh, thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, anytime, man. Anytime. Happy to have you, man. Of course. And so, yeah, so basically, uh, I'm not really uh, too fond on the Dynasty, uh, on the dy- like on the Keepers League um, fantasy, but I've always done just like regular fantasies uh, for soccer, basketball, and football. And so, obviously, uh, when you brought forward the idea of doing uh, like the Ultimate Keepers Fantasy League. Uh, it was pretty interesting, so I just wanted to try it out, and it's been very, very interesting, to say the least. And and how would you say, what would you say is so very interesting about it, Max? I have to ask. Yeah, so, well, obviously the main focus in this one is uh, age, because age is a huge factor since you're keeping your players. It's not just a one-time thing, like usually in normal fantasies uh people just try and go for the best guys and not necessarily rookies or um just young players in the league so in uh in an ultimate keepers league you definitely have to focus on the age and focus on the younger guys because uh you're basically building the future for your uh for your dynasty yeah no i think that's a good point i think it's definitely a different mindset um Definitely different mind state. What do you think so far? Sure. Did you mess up on any picks you think because maybe you went too young or maybe you thought, oh, I like this guy, but then we're like, oh, maybe he's not good for Dynasty? <laughs> um, well, I think I, I, I really like my approach for the first few rounds. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily say I messed up. Maybe I, I did think uh, maybe on Juju, I think he was my second draft pick. I might have jumped the gun too early, but I didn't know if people were kind of in my mindset. Like Juju was a guy who had two first great years in the NFL with seven touchdowns. And then uh, last year, obviously, was a very, very bad season for him with only three TDs. And I I just didn't know if people were going to kind of jump on him as well. So maybe on picks like those. Um, But I think for the the most part, like I, I had picked like Saquon first, who's 23, um, Juju's 23, Mark Andrews is 23, and Devontae Parker, I think, was 26, 27. So most of my guys, I think, are in a good uh, age range, and I, I made sure to kind of pick uh, a mixture of uh, rookie base and then also um, like a veteran range. 
Yeah, that's a definitely a good way to approach it. I like I like the idea of always wanting to compete but making sure you're young as possible to compete. Yeah. Because I mean if you're too old, like you really limit the window of competition. I do have For to sure. ask, Max, and we, we highlighted this before you got on, but there's different league setups in the league that you're talking about specifically, I do know it's IDP, so individual defensive players. Yeah. How did you how is your experience being doing that draft compared to normal fantasy where you would just select one whole defensive unit and not the individual players that make it up for sure. For sure. Yeah. So, um, I know usually like my approach is because my favorite teams are Miami dolphins. Usually in the one and ones I just go with, uh, with the dolphins defense, you know, gotta support my boys. Even or, if it uh, doesn't make sense. <laughs> of course. Or, or I go with, uh, with green Bay defense, but I mean, necessarily like dolphins defense hasn't been too bad since 2017. So, you know, but in this approach, individual player defense, uh, I made sure to get guys who, because I didn't, I'm not too familiar with so many uh, defensive players in the NFL near the end of the rounds. So when we were in the end of the rounds, I know we were just drafting a bunch of guys. (laughs) Like a lot of us were like, who the hell are these guys? Um, But it's, it's favorable to do your research. Right. And, and the good thing I found with that is a lot of individual defensive players are, are also young. So if you have guys that are putting up decent numbers and have a lot of room for growth, um, it, it gives you more feel to draft these players who you can think, okay, maybe next season or even this season, they can start kind of molding their way into, into the teams. Yeah. I think that's a good point. I definitely think if you're only used to going from, uh, you know, a whole defense standpoint and then going into IDP, it could be a little daunting because, you know, as you said, most people only really know the catchers um, to say the least more. What I mean by that is like the eye catchers, the Christian McCaffrey's of the world. If you're just a standard fantasy guy, those are the guys you don't know. Um, You don't know the, the low key guys on defense who might be a stud. And I think doing your research is a great idea. What type of research you know, if you don't mind us asking, what type of research did you do in preparation for the draft? Um, and, you know, what was it worth your time? You there, Max? You go into the wizarding world? What's going on, buddy? What just happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, this is a new one. I don't think we've ever lost a guest like that before. Max, uh, I'll, I'll do. I'll do my best to interpret oh, what an geez, answer might eh? be. Oh. <laughs> Canadian accent cracks me up. Oh, and, and he's uh, he, he's left the recording. Oh, okay, so that's interesting to say. At least I, I can't see myself wanting to delete this clip. I think it's. Uh, I think it's bold. <laughs> Let me, let me answer how Max might answer. This is how we're going to go with it. It's, uh, it's, oh, man, you know, like, I did my research. I consulted with people. Can you guys hear me? Oh, uh, oh there he is. I'm, so, I'm so confused. I heard you guys say, can you, are, are you there, Max? And I, I was talking. I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's no big it's deal. Fine. I, just start, I just started roasting you. I'm not getting rid of this at all. So, Max, uh, can, continue with what Kyle, and Kyle was saying. So, what type of research... <laughs> did you do going into the draft? And as the draft continued, did you change your stance on the research that you conducted? Uh, no. So usually I, I consulted uh, like a lot of, I guess to say mock fantasy draft boards. 
and I know they have different player values uh, for a lot of the defensive players and just a lot of the positions all around. So I focused a lot on those ones. I know, obviously, like Kyle said, there's a name catcher. So I always focused. Um, I wanted to get, like, for example, Aaron Donald, which is one of the guys I drafted. Um, just guys that put up really, really good numbers. And uh, then I wanted to kind of put in those guys I said, like, that are fillers. So, like, your cornerbacks, like I got Jalen Ramsey. Um, and, yeah, I just consulted mostly the mock draft boards and uh, the fantasy value boards. And then I think near the end of the draft, I was just uh, having to search these guys up online because I know um, they weren't too valuable guys near the end of the draft. So yeah. that was pretty much my approach. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, just preparation is key um, more than anything else. That's what I'm really getting from you. Uh, yeah. It's nice to have somebody on who's new to the, the format. What do you think so far of the overall experience? So you, you like it? I think the season obviously will help uh, – bring the excitement a little more but what do you think of it as a first timer for sure yeah no I think it's it's definitely interesting as I as I had said um I think maybe the draft uh obviously because it's individual uh, player pickings it takes a long long time Mm -hmm. but uh I know for sure right when the season kicks off this is going to be very exciting I already see a lot of uh good trades going on a lot of maneuvering and it's it's very cool to see how it's treated like like real franchises so you really are uh, trying the best um, to make your franchise the best. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know what, Max? I got, I got a, I got a question I got for yeah, you. And this one, sure. uh, this one means a lot to me. So I like to look at getting involved as, in dynasty football and drafting as losing your virginity. <laughs> you know, the whole time in the back of your head, you're like, fuck, I hope, I hope this doesn't happen too early. I hope this doesn't happen too early. <laughs> you're thinking dead puppy, dead puppy, dead puppy, you know? Yeah. And so, and so my, my question for you is, who's, who's the guy in fantasy right now who you're saying, dead puppy, dead puppy, dead puppy, and a guy who you think could bust really early to start the season? Uh, honestly, I would have to tilt this one towards the rookie draft because I know in the rookie draft, everybody's probably going to try and get their hands on uh, Joe Burrow or chase young honestly even how it worked on real life but uh i just i don't know why uh i know joe burr is a great qb like a really really good qb and i know he has something you value a lot which is uh handsomeness <laughs> <laughs> that is true that is true but, uh i i just don't see him uh like being the all-star that everybody's making him out to be i know he's gonna be a great qb and he has that qb material he's gonna be with a team who needs him um such as the Bengals, but I just, I don't see him being, I don't see him busting as much as he, like a Johnny Manziel did, but I just maybe see him at the level where Baker is, uh, which is like, maybe he's going to have a really good season, but he's not going to necessarily fulfill all the standards that everybody's keeping for him in the seasons to come. I think that's not a half bad take. I know we talked about it earlier on the show. I think what we talked about our quarterbacks, but a lot of the times with the quarterbacks, the problem is the organization more than anything else. Yeah. And Cincinnati sure. doesn't really have the greatest organization. So I could see your problem yeah. with it. You know what I mean? Of um, course. Yeah. And that's really it at the end of the day. So the fact that the, he ended up in the Bengals, I said it before, but if he went somewhere else, I would feel a lot more comfortable drafting yeah. him because let's say Burrow ended up a Patriot. I think he'd be, I think everybody would be jumping 
through oh, every yeah. hoop in the world to get their of head course. on him. Like they'd be like, "Oh yeah, I'll give you my whole team. I don't give a shit. I just want him." <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, exactly. Yeah, so I get what you're taking. Uh, it's it's an interesting uh, perspective for sure. Uh, we had somebody who came on for episode last week, and he said, "And I want to hear an outside, new, fresh perspective on this, just because it took us yeah. off guard." He said that Christian McCaffrey is going to have a bad year this year. He said he's gonna. He's not a bad, but he's gonna fall out of the top five this year. What do you I think mean, about that as a fresh perspective? <laughs> I personally, I just I can't see that happening. I mean, Christian McCaffrey arguably is one of the best, one hundred percent best running backs right now in the current game. I would put him up there with uh, with Saquon. If you even look at a guy like Saquon Barkley, who's, I mean, just been in the season, same age, been in the season three years. And Saquon had what I think seventeen touchdowns, yeah. uh, rookie of the year. But Christian McCaffrey has put up I think twenty four in almost the same amount of seasons in three. So it's it's a very hot take to say uh, that a guy who's put up twenty four touchdowns in three seasons isn't gonna have a good year. But at the same time, maybe the Panthers um, are kind of switching their focus. You know, they just like Cam Newton go. They're they're trying to stir a different way. So I could also see. Uh, certain offensive styles changing that won't necessarily benefit Christian McCaffrey. But I still think that uh, he's going to have a great year. I don't know. Luke, that sounds like he's saying it's possible too. Should we be worried? Uh, no, I, I mean, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying it's possible. I don't think it's possible for him to have a bad year. It's all. all right. You can say it, but I don't know. No, no, no. I think, I think, so what I'm trying to say is, uh, you know how like the Panthers are going through their transition right now. It's obviously clear to everybody. But that doesn't mean that a guy who's put up 24 TDs in three years isn't going to necessarily succeed. I know he's definitely going to have a great know, year. I'm Last year, he balls. finished <laughs> with, uh, with 15 TDs. You know, it's, uh, he's definitely up there with, with Saquon as the best running backs in the game right now. Yeah, no, I, uh, I, 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 I get what you're saying. I get what yeah. you're saying. There's always potential somebody could bust. Of course, yeah. But I get what you're saying with, like, it's super, super rare that he probably will. So, Max, I'm going to hit you with your last question. This is your most important yeah. question. So, screw, Mary kill. <clears throat> Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, and Nick oh. Chubb. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Uh, I would definitely... Yeah, I would definitely screw Christian. So McCaffrey. let's put that into. Okay, okay. So you'd screw, you'd screw yeah. Christian. Um, Mary Saquon Barkley for sure. That guy is going long range. I think he's gonna end the game, end his career as one of the best in the game in history. Ooh. And I would kill Nick Chubb. Yeah. Damn. R.I.P. My boy Nick Chubb. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Kyle, do you do you have a different take on nah, it? Nah, you know what? It's tough because. Uh... Yeah, I'd probably have to say something similar, only I'd probably marry Christian McCaffrey. Uh, And then I'd have to end up killing Nick Chubb, too. But just because of of his offensive system, I think Chubb could be utilized in the same capacity as Christian McCaffrey in a different system. I know he doesn't have nearly as good hands, but Kareem Hunt being in the Cleveland Browns offense now has definitely um, diminished Chubb's value in some capacity, for sure. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, it definitely gives them a really nice option at running back, and it also gives them a nice option at backup oh, kicker. There you go. Yeah, I didn't <laughs> think about it like that. <laughs> what about um, you, Luke? 
Matt Wait, no, yeah, you can't, oh, you're not me? getting out of this. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, okay. <laughs> all right, all right. You're going to put me on the spot. This one, you might hate me on this Go one, for it, buddy. But how I'm looking – how I'm how I'm looking – I'd screw Nick Chubb. Okay. I'd marry Christian McCaffrey. Okay. I'd, I'd kill Interesting. Saquon. Interesting. Why, why is I'd, that? What do you think? What's your take on Saquon? So – I, you know, I think it's interesting. You think he's going to be one of the best running backs to ever play. I think he's yeah. good. However, the amount of usage the guy had in college, especially, okay. and the amount of hits he took in college, the amount of hits he's taken in his first couple yeah. seasons in the league, I could see him expiring a lot sooner than a lot of people and think. He's he got injuries and I think under the his advantage, belt too, on top of yeah. that. Yeah, so I think, you know, you're, what looks good about a guy like Nick Chubb is that Nick Chubb can has Kareem Hunt, so it allows for some of that stress to get taken off. I think the whole Christian McCaffrey thing is super easy to explain. Yeah. He's probably one of the most talented running backs to come to league into the league in a long time. For I'm sure. not saying Saquon's not talented, but the mileage on his wheels would lead me to kind of want to go to Nick Chubb. Okay. If I'm being honest. No, I'm um, honestly. I, your opinion, that's that's a very, very good opinion because that's something uh, that wasn't really analyzed before in the game. Uh, but now with the whole concussion themes and, and players taking a toll, it's it's definitely a point that, that can be argued. Uh, even like I know Jay Ajayi is an example of that, a, a running back who put up insane numbers in 2017 and w- when he was with Miami and uh, he ended up just completely busting down because of his injuries and and it's a it's a huge factor in players longevity really is but uh with Saquon I think you just it's hard not to argue you know that a a player who like for example didn't fumble a single time in I think it was his first season like the 2018 season that's something unbelievable right I, I see him as a guy who you can really trust uh so the Giants a team who arguably haven't really been the best since uh, Eli Manning's prime years. And they have a guy who was rookie of the year, put up insane stats. I think it was 2,000 plus yards in, in his two seasons. And the 17 TDs, I just see it I just see it going uphill. You know, I, I see him continuing to put up these stats. And uh, I think personally that he will, he will end up being one of the best in, in the game when he retires. Hmm. All right, that's a that's a hot take, and I we we live for hot takes. Max, thank you yep. for coming on. If you don't know this already, Max is huge in the Instagram kicks game. He uh, he was on Instagram live with Bleacher Report showing off his shoes a little earlier in the month. Uh, you can go follow him on Instagram at Max Russo Junior. Uh, thank you for thank coming you. on, buddy. All right, thank you, boys. I appreciate it. Appreciate that shout out too. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Yeah, Max. hey man, we're we're All glad right. to have you on. We we like the new uh, personalities, and make sure you stick around for some closing remarks. Of course, boys. Appreciate it. And uh... okay, and thank you to Max for coming on and speaking to us about his opinions going into startup drafts and just like the overall experience. Because you know what, the big thing is with these stuff, with this stuff is. It's different for every single person who gets involved. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, it's another successful episode in the books. You know, episode six, everything's coming along really nicely. Uh, just happy that we're still doing this, man. And we're really appreciative of everybody who listens. And that's all I have to take. Uh, that's all I have to say. Anything for on your end, Luke? Yeah, you know, I we appreciate everybody who stuck around for these six episodes. 
Uh, I know the schedule's been a little weird. It's been weird times for everybody in the world, and we appreciate everybody's patience, and we appreciate all the support we've been getting on Twitter and Instagram. Don't forget to follow us at Dynasty Kings Pods, and we're you're, we're always interacting with people. Don't be afraid to hit us up and ask questions. We're always here to answer them to the best of our abilities. Just do not comment on my crap saying follow for follow and like for like. It's not going to happen, dude. Yeah, I think that's a good point. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. Thank you for tuning in. Stick around because episode seven, we're going to talk all things wide receivers. And definitely that's something you're going to want to hear. If very sure where to take guys. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. Yep.